on today's episode of I Didn't Say That, the final sprint. Let's go. I wanted to say convention week, fired up and ready to go, but apparently Max didn't like that one. Slash, he hasn't opened up my Google Doc yet, so that's probably why he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I did not. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Invitation to edit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Fired up and ready to go. <laughs> Nailed it. Got it. Got it. That's what we call production, folks. That's a that's a lift behind the curtain. That's 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 actually kind of the reverse of how it goes. Usually, I put together the document. Yeah. And Katie goes, "There's a the document." <laughs> Uh, but this time we have show prep by Tiny. Yeah, so this is how we're, we're going to do it. So I really wanted to break down like speaker by speaker for all four nights of each convention. Um, but then we forgot to take notes during each night. We only did it for the last night of the RNC. So I went back and watched the first nights of both. And then I was like, yeah, I can't watch the second and third night of both of them again. That's not happening. You know, it used to be I got paid to take notes during these things and spin it into a show. And let me tell you, if you if there is no financial incentive for you to take notes during the Democratic National Convention, you're probably not going to turn your brain on enough to catch more than the basic outline of the night. And the basic outline of the DNC every night was life is pain, (laughs) life is misery, vote Biden. It was horrible. I like, okay. I like literally like almost started crying on night one. It was it was like that like emotionally draining. They go from like Bo Biden's, it's like Bo Biden. No, like, that wasn't night one because I just watched it. They don't do that. That's the oh, second that night or third two. Night. Yeah. That might, oh yeah, it's night two because it goes back from Bo here, Biden. Will, let me go through night go, one because okay. I just watched it and you can chime in we'll when you remember here. things. Okay. Sure. So they start us off with Eva Longoria by herself. Wrong. Mm. Strike one. Why is this person here? Why do we care? Is she still married to Tony Parker? I have no idea. And she's just like with a giant screen and that's it. It's so, so low tech. It's painful. Okay. Then we we watch a video montage of We the People where they're reading the preamble of the U.S. Constitution, which is rich for a country, for a party that wants to tear that down. So that was Mm -hmm. ironic. Uh, then they go to the highlight of the night. It was all down here from Hill from here, folks, where they have a kid from every state sing the pledge, sing the pledge, or sorry, the national anthem. That was good. Mm-hmm. It was all downhill from there. The few, uh, t- the few times they allowed God to be mentioned oh, then in a they positive did, way. Then they did a prayer, which I was like, who let this in? Who let them do that? Yeah. Um, then we hear from Eva again, because... We have to hear from her all night. All right. Then there's a small business owner talking about COVID. Then there's a young literary activist talking about COVID. And then a farmer talking about trade wars in the pandemic. However, he starts off by offering condolences to the Trump family for their loss, which I'm sure the Dems all cringed at that. I don't know if it was. I think it was live. It's hard to tell. This thing is so poorly produced. It's really hard to tell what's live and what's not live. Did your high school have an AV club? (laughs) You know, did you or did did you have like um? It, it just reminded me of like um, like a like a poor high school production, of. I don't. It, it just. It was just. Right, and then and then they have um a nurse talking laughing. about how everyone should be scared and Trump's bad. 
kind of a theme. Kind of the kind of the Fortnite theme. Yeah, and then uh, they have Congressman Congresswoman Gwen Moore from Milwaukee uh, welcoming everyone, even though it wasn't held there. Mm-hmm. And this is mistake number one. Like, why couldn't it be held there? We saw from the RNC that you can have it be at a place and have people come and go and do live things and not have an audience. But the DNC can't think creatively. They can't think outside the box. So they're like, meh, we're just going to do these horrendous Zoom and phone camera videos, which I will get into they later want, because They want you to live in fear so that your life revolves around depending on the government to give you the green light or the red light on what you get to do in life. And so they are going to do everything to make sure that their optics represent the world that they want you to live in, which is um, of pain and misery. (laughs) And then they go to a former white male Trump voter who says he's not going to vote for Trump anymore and... Therefore, everyone must not be voting for Trump anymore. It was not very compelling. It was also clearly made on a iPhone because it's got the like vertical video thing in the black. And I'm like, okay, really? This is the quality we're doing right now? It was the classic, um, you know, when they do those infomercials and there's a guy in scrubs talking and it says actor portrayal in the corner <laughs> that's what that was it was actor portrayal of what they they hope happens which is that all of a sudden successful hardworking people are going to go i want to pay more in taxes <laughs> All right, then we get uh, DC Mayor Bowser, Bowser, whatever the heck her name is. Go home. Boo. You're not even a state. Then the family of George Floyd speaks because you have to. Uh, Then they had this weird music video on the roof. And this was the first of several musical acts that occurred during the DNC. Oh my gosh, I already <laughs> forgot about this. Yes. And I'm already looking forward to talking about the ending of night one, which was an acid trip. Yeah. So you have this like weird music video from someone singing something and you're like, okay, that I don't know what's happening. It was here. supposed to, I, I remember, I remember the song vaguely. It was very much supposed to be like a modern, you know, we shall overcome type sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, then there is a montage of Biden talking about systematic, sorry, systemic racism. And now and then it comes to him sitting. It's It's hard to say because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Then it comes to him sitting in a chair facing five giant monitors of five different people. And I didn't write all of their names down because I just don't care. But one of them was Mayor Lightfoot. And another one was, you know, racial injustice this, racial injustice that. You get it. They talk about this racial injustice, systemic racism issue that apparently is now hit an all-time high, and that's the only Joe Biden can fix it, even though all he has done is vote for things that further it. But You know, we could, we could probably spend weeks on the incompetence of Lori Lightfoot, the mayor <laughs> of Chicago. Um, I'll just simply say this. This is the woman that banned people from going to barbershops and the next day went and got a haircut. And when asked why, she was like, well, I'm in public all the time, so I have to have my appearance kept up. 
when she literally looks like <laughs> let me tell you i know she I know. looks like beetlejuice this is already someone who puts <laughs> zero effort into their appearance yet still felt during covid19 at the at at peak fear of covid19 that not only did she want to make life miserable for the citizens of chicago but she also wanted to remind them that she is above the law at all times don't don't question what she does don't ask her about gang violence on the south side okay that's donald trump's problem <laughs> but yet again uh we have to have video monitors and joe speaking to them because heaven forbid we have five people outside or in a room together that would be just too much too much um okay then there was more terrible i wrote more terrible phone camera videos from quote normal people including one kid who had a a hillary sign behind him mm -hmm. That's always good. Couldn't even change it to Biden. Nope. Still rooting for Hillary. Yeah. Um, then they go over to, uh, am I going to say his name right? Jim Kleinsman, the guy from South Carolina. Jim Kleinsman. Sorry, North Carolina. <laughs> no, South Carolina's name is Jim, Jim Clyborne. Clyborne. You know, they didn't put their names at the bottom of the telecast, so it was hard for, I had to go with what, okay, anyway. He's 79 years old, by the way. He basically just got up there to reiterate Clyburn. that he yeah. is the he is the only reason Biden is nominated right, right. now. Right, exactly. I think that's a, I think that's the I think that's the the point to make is that is that the only reason Biden is sitting here right now is because of Jim. Then they have a Marine captain who, since leaving the military, has gone on to do I don't know some sort of nonprofit mentorship. Seems like a good guy. The whole point of his thing, though, is to be like, oh, Joe Biden showed up to one of my events one time and he's such an amazing person. So now we're starting to build the uh, character witness thing, because apparently the only reason to vote for Joe is because he's a nice guy. That's I mean, that is that is the pitch. <laughs> they don't even hide it. They're like, it's like, what's your plan? He's like, well, we've adopted the Green New Deal as our platform. So you're for the Green New Deal. No, I'm not for the Green New Deal. But that's basically your platform. Well, you know listen jack here's the deal we got to do something about carbon emissions it's like he's doing this like whole like hokey thing and it's just not going to play when the debates come but we'll we'll get there but but you're right like that's the case the case is joe biden's life has sucked except for the fact that he hasn't had to work for 50 years so you know let's just make him president like he's one of the least professionally he's one of the least impressive people we've ever had run for president as the nominee Okay, next up, and mind you, for those of you who didn't watch this, which probably all of you because you probably fell asleep like 45 minutes ago, um, these are all not cohesive. So, like, it goes back to, like, the Eva Longoria, like, weird backdrop and then goes to these, like, either pre-recorded videos elsewhere or attempts at live, which are also kind of a debacle. Yeah. So now we go to Governor Andrew Cuomo, clearly pre-recorded. He's using his... <sighs> Bless you. He's using he's using his uh, on professional radio shows. You never hear that because we have what's called a cough button, and you hit the button and it kills your mic. Yeah, but we're not fancy, so no. instead you got to hear me say "bless you." Um, but anyway, he's sitting in front of the backdrop uh, where he gave the same backdrop where he gave all of his COVID nineteen briefings, um, basically saying that New York's amazing and fails to mention that he killed a bunch of elderly people because he decided to put COVID nineteen positive people into nursing homes, but. The media is never going to talk about that, oh, so who great cares? Thing, the great thing is, is in the, later in the night, it came out that he was writing a book about leadership based on COVID-19, 
and it was panned by both sides because <laughs> even liberals at the end of the day go you know you sent sick people back inside the nursing homes like donald trump didn't make you do that you're just an idiot <laughs> right all right then i think they go to one of their main things that the dnc thinks like this will get people to leave trump and it's a daughter whose dad who was a trump supporter got covid and died and it's all because of trump and he didn't make it serious enough and i'm just sitting there watching that being like number one i'm sorry that your dad died number two he would not want you speaking of the DNC because he's a Trump supporter. And I can bet you, bet your bottom dollar, he'd be voting for Trump again. And number three, have we lost all notions of personal responsibility in this country? Like, everyone is aware of COVID-19. So therefore, it's on you to go investigate and see how much it could potentially affect you and go about your life from there. If you fall into a category where you're more vulnerable to this, then you should take higher precautions. If you're a completely healthy individual, then maybe you're not as loose. Like, it is personal responsibility, folks. Like, that's the thing that it always comes down to, to me. And and I just, you can't help but think about this regularly. You just have to, it's just so overwhelmingly a part of our lives. It's just something that you think about. And at the end of the day, I err on the side of freedom. And we'll talk about it later, but we went to the Trump rally in Manchester, New Hampshire last night. And at no point did I ever feel less safe than I do at Market Basket. Right? I felt way more safe. I thought everything was fine. Um, It was hysterical when they were like, Per Governor Sununu's orders or New Hampshire state regulation, you know, please wear a mask. And everyone Why are you jumping going. in the rally? We're not there yet. Uh, well, okay, fine, fine, fine. But any, but anyways, the point being, like, if you let people figure it out for themselves, like, that's generally the way to go in these situations. All right, so we jump from this one, which they think is like this is hitting it the nail on the head. We go into Megan Rapino because we haven't had enough celebrities tonight and we need rich people to tell us why we're terrible people. And She's just uh, like the worst. She moderates a taped recording of her speaking to four medical professionals who basically all say that Trump's the worst. We're so shocked. Um, then there's a montage of real people with their stupid phone videos that I can't get over freaking out about the post office. Trump is destroying the post office. I'm not going to be able to get my prescriptions, and I'm not going to be able to vote. It's a right. complete lie that the Democrats are trying to perpetrate. Continue. All right. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's just like one of those things where it's like, ugh. And then a congresswoman from Maine, I think, introduces Maggie Rogers, never heard of her, who plays guitar by the ocean. Another weird musical act. That you're supposed to watch in the middle of the DNC. I must have I must have gone to the bathroom on that one. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, then this is where we get our first instance of awkward Zoom clapping, where they go to the four box and you have random people on their couches clapping. More to come on this, but it's awkward. Yeah. Uh, now another real people camera video condemning quote leadership of COVID. 
But basically, there wasn't any, and somehow Joe Biden can fix it, even though he doesn't know where he is. But then we get the Michigan governor giving her speech. Uh, I honestly can't watch her without thinking about the SNL skit of her. It's like all I can think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she claimed that Obama and Biden saved the auto workers of her state. And that's why people should vote for Biden. And I was like, I just don't think that's correct. The American taxpayer (laughs) saved those jobs. Ma'am, okay. Continue. She was boring. Um, Then they go into a segment showing, quote, lifelong Republican politicians who don't support Trump and support Biden, i.e. the establishment, i.e. all the people we don't want in power. So this is just confirming for us that we've made a good choice. It was a who's who of people who have been wrong on every major issue for the past 25 years. Yeah. And it ends with Governor John Kasich at a crossroads, at a literal crossroads. (laughs) You can go into it. That's all I have on it. Just that it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, that was the highlight of the night for me. I think it was the highlight of the week, of just being like they, someone somewhere said, not only said, you want to know who we need to put front front and center. We need to put John Kasich front and center. He'll move the needle for us. And then you've got him standing there, looking like a complete <laughs> dope, at a literal crossroads. And someone somewhere said, this is it. This is the money shot. This is it. This is what's going to do it. This is going to help. This is going to get Joe Biden enough moderate Republicans in order to win the presidency. And you look at and you just go, you're number one, a total dweeb. You're a total (laughs) dweeb. And I can never support someone who's just a complete loser. Um... And number two, it was just such a classic reminder of the self-righteousness and the snottiness of this never-Trumper group that really only exists in the media. This does not exist in the real world. Never-Trump only exists in the media. Yeah. You never run across people who are like, I'm a Republican, but I'll never vote for Donald Trump. You don't, that doesn't happen when you're, you know, when you're interacting with other people. You'll run into people who are like, <sighs> I don't have a party. Uh, well, no, you'll, I, run I into consi- re- you'll run into Republicans who are like, you know, I wish he would just, you know, take a break from Twitter. But you're not going to run into Republicans who are like, oh, I hate Donald Trump. It's purely creation of cable news. Yeah. All right. So after that, home run yeah that was a real yeah <laughs> we go into uh more quote real people who are former republicans who are now supporting by it and more terrible phone videos no one's buying this it's just yeah it's all it's all so the other thing about it was like none of the messages were like authentic, were authentic and we'll get to this when we talk about the republican national convention but there's something to be said about having someone who you could see as your neighbor or your colleague um, or even as a family member make an impassioned plea for a candidate based on a personal experience they had and how they were positively impacted by someone's policies or um, you know, a personal connection that you have with the person. 
Um, these were overly produced. And they didn't even have points. It was like they like, were overly produced to the point where they wanted to make it look authentic. So we'll just have them do it on an iPhone. But you just watched it and you were like, I just don't see it. Right. They're reading it and they never give, oh, because Trump passed this, I'm not supporting it. N- nothing like that. It was just basically no. like, I don't like him. Yeah. Like, we it get was it. Like, you don't like it. Yeah. It was but- like, it's like he's, he's unbecoming of the office. Like we're past that. We celebrate Bill Clinton in this country. Like we're don't don't get me started. Donald Trump has done nothing to embarrass the presidency any more than than dozens of other presidents that we can point to. All right. Then they go to two random state senators from Alabama, Nevada. It's boring. One's talking about mail-in ballots. Boring. Then it goes to Klobuchar from Minnesota. Ugh. She makes her typical cringy mom jokes like. Well, Trump may not be supporting the post office, but he'll need to be turning in his return or change of address soon. Some horrible she's, joke. She's Karen. Yeah, she is Karen. We've gone over this. Kobachar is Karen. She is Karen personified. And all you do all have to do is go online and look at all the reporting and all the articles about how she is an absolute terror to work for. She is just like one of the meanest people in politics to the point where Chuck Schumer actually had to like pull her aside and reprimand her and be like, hey, you're making a really bad name for not just yourself, but our party because you are so mean to everyone around you. So like this whole like aw shucks Minnesota nice thing that she tries to do, like I'm just a mom, like in reality, no, she's for lack of a better word, a total bitch. <laughs> and then they go into a montage of all the other former Democratic presidential candidates, and they're all on the phone interviews, and it's so bad. The camera work is so bad. And of course, they're all like, oh, we support Joe now. We're so united, blah, blah. No one cares. Uh, and there was some random thing on the arts that I didn't care enough to rewatch. Uh, then they go into a video about how Joe rides the Amtrak every day, and he's just a regular guy. That's his pitch. Like this is the pitch. It's like Joe, Joe Biden's life sucked, so he hasn't worked for fifty years, but he had to ride Amtrak a lot. <laughs> it's like what? It's like his biggest accomplishment in life is being like Amtrak's number one rider. You know. And then for some reason, after that, they put in Bernie Sanders. Uh, he talks about his normal crap. But what I thought was interesting as I rewatched it was he's got all these logs behind him. Yeah. And I'm just like, are logs environmentally friendly? Like, aren't they super against cutting down trees? Like, why would your backdrop be a bunch of logs? Logging is a classic American profession, Katie. Number one. Number two, no. Like, that's, it was very, very Vermont. But isn't it anti-environment? Shouldn't it have just been in a forest? For every tree you cut down, you plant 10 more, Katie. How do I know that? He didn't say anything about it. I'm not going to question. I'm just I, saying listen, that Bernie Sanders of, is destroying the there's environment. A lot of, there's a lot, I'm not going to. That is preposterous. I'm just going to stand up right here and say that that argument is preposterous and it is not the official stance if I didn't say that. That is that is banana land. I just burning, thought it was hilarious. Burning wood. I thought it was just oh so Vermont, you know. We didn't know which one of his four houses he was in. I'm guessing he's up in the cabin, the lake, the lake house that that day, right. on Lake Champlain. And then one more montage of quote real people on their phone videos supporting Joe, and then the finale. 
Michelle Mybell. Which I don't really have notes on. Like, she's she did a pre-recorded thing from Million Dollar Mansion. The thing that the P- media talked about was that she didn't mention Kamala, obviously, because she recorded she it beforehand. It a week before. She taped it a week and before. And she's just too busy in her rich life to go re-record you think, it. You think Michelle Obama is going to stay up until 11 o'clock at night <laughs> on a Monday to give, make Joe, give Joe Biden a speech? I'll record it on my own time. I'm Michelle Obama. Um... No, I thought the whole thing was just like absolutely laughable. Um, earlier, uh, not earlier in the week, but I believe it was the week before. Uh, she now has a podcast for some reason. Um, and she said how she uh, has been depressed during the COVID time in her $15 million mansion, never having to work a day in her life ever again. And she hasn't worked also in like 10 years, minimum, minimum, maybe even 15. So this is someone who has been on Easy Street. Yeah. Okay. So that was DNC night one. What you, life is really hard for her right now. What you got from it was like a hodgepodge of crap. But it was basically like, uh, no one wants to vote for Trump. He's bad. The only reason to vote for Joe is because he's a nice, a nice guy who writes, who drives the Amtrak. Like, okay, that was like poorly produced and whatever. All right. Fast forward. RNC night one. What's the first thing you get hit with? This Americana in your face opening video montage that I would play again for you all, but I'm sure you've seen it slash it's like three minutes long, but it was phenomenal. It's going to be the movie of the year. It was, I was just like, yeah, let's go. Like it was was red meat for all of us. (laughs) It was so good. If you haven't seen it, pause everything right now and go watch it. Okay, then we have an opening prayer in front of NYC. Um, then we have the Pledge of Allegiance by a veteran who he just speeds that was through it. He just goes so fast. The opening was Dolan, right? Cardinal Dolan. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they opened up with... I thought that, by the way, just speaking speaking as a Catholic, I thought that was a little iffy. Yeah, I just... I thought, it was, I thought that one was a little iffy. I understand if the President of the United States asks, hey, can you give a prayer? You go and give a prayer. I, I understand that. I thought it was a little iffy to do it at the convention, but... They do prayers every day of the convention, and the DNC but even did it. listen, I think we all know who Cardinal Dolan is voting for anyway, so <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter in that respect. Um, all right, and so the first speaker is Charlie Kirk, who Max can't stand, but that's okay. He was fine. He, uh... He did a good job. Um, I actually, I actually love the, I love the fact that he let off the night just being like Trump is the savior of Western civilization. Yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, okay, I uh, haven't heard that one from you yet, Charlie, but uh, I, I like that you're you're finally coming over to the true Trump support here of like, no, we need to defend that Western civilization right now. We need to defend the family. We need to defend our culture. We need to get rid of 99% of the nonsense that's going on. Um, I thought I thought it was... I thought it was... I, I actually thought it was a good way to kick off the night. All right. And then we kick it over. Now, mind you, we're not setting the stage properly. It's a beautiful backdrop. We've, we see the Lincoln. I forget where they actually filmed it, but they clearly have two stages. And everything just feels very like smooth 
they have music that works as they walk up so it's not awkward and they talk and then they go to the per- person on the next stage it's all very fluid and professional and you're not like watching this horrible phone camera thing that you can't understand that cuts out half the time it was cpac i mean it was am i wrong it was, it was the, cpac it was the varsity team and yeah, the dnc was the jv team yeah okay the next person was uh rebecca fredericks she was a public school teacher uh, she comes after teachers unions. She talks about school choice and charter schools, kind of laying the foundation for when they talk about that later. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, then another woman, Tanya Weinrise, speaks. She's a marine wife from Montana, she, small she, business she, owner. I would, I would honestly be blown away if you didn't see her on Fox News a little bit more in the coming weeks. She's very good looking. She's very good looking. She's well spoken, um, and she is just like. She's just like Americana in a nut. She's just like. Well, what's funny to me is when she's just a slice of apple pie. When I was when I was watching this live and not taking notes, by this point I was like, man, Tanya, Rebecca, like both of those speeches were so great. I was just like, these are so great. And now that I've watched the whole convention, I'm kind of like, they were good because so many people after them were so even better. That I'm probably not doing justice to to them. They were good. I, it's just we had a lot of really good speakers. I think I think both of them, like, I thought the opening, like, really played to the base. And, and I'll, I'll move it on. But, like, the opening video montage, the opening prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance, like, all of that. And then Charlie Kirk, uh, Rebecca Friedrichs, Tonya Weinrice, and then you got Tonya. Matt Gatz, Tonya. 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 <laughs> Tonya. Yeah, I think at first he said Tony, but it's a woman. Tony. <laughs> Tonya. 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 <laughs> Um, and then you got Matt Gatz, who immediately goes, I'm speaking to you from a ballroom more empty than Biden's daily schedule. Goes goes through his regular spiel. I don't need to say more about that. I mean, it's just the Red Meat Fest continues. <laughs> then we got the flavor of the week. Kim Clay, you know how to say it. Kim Klasik. I Klasik. personally love her. I thought her campaign video, which you've probably seen by now because it went viral, was phenomenal. You've just heard call- it on Rush. Yeah, just calling out how Democrats have run Baltimore for 50 years and squandered it. Like, it's a hellhole, basically. And she's like, we're not going to stand for this anymore. And so she's running to fix that. Yep. Um, I just think she's phenomenal. Um, Then the RNC chairwoman, she does her intro thing. Uh, Then we get our first video montage of real people from each state nominating Mm -hmm. Trump. It's pretty quick. Um, Promises made, promises kept is sick. Yeah, then it goes into the Promises Made, Promises Kept video. That was wonderful. I wrote, I feel like I could walk, I could run through a brick wall for watching this video. It was great. It was a great, like, quick uh, snapshot of all of his wins. Um, not all of his wins, some of his wins. He's made so many. You can't put them all into one little montage. Yeah. Um, then we get, we, we hear from Amy Ford, who is this registered nurse from West Virginia. And her voice is so Southern and so squeaky I would forgive you if you kind oh, of forgot yeah, who yeah. she is. Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> but she she basically focused on how Trump did a great job responding to COVID. She uh, she although she's from West Virginia, she went and helped relieve nurses in New York and San Antonio. So she's really on the front lines. It was a good speech. Once again, another slice of apple pie. Yeah, you know, just just keep. Let's continue video montage on COVID. Great video. Talks about the Democrats in action. This was the video that had 
Newsom and Cuomo yeah. and Governor Murphy it was devastating, praising Donald Trump for what he did during during uh, and the New Jersey governor, COVID. all of them praising yeah. him. It's just just a devastating video. Uh oh, the Georgia Georgia Tech doctor. Yep, uh, he was great. Um, it was kind of like one of those like we want a doctor to speak. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I gave it a B. Like, yeah, it was, it was fine. It added it 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 added gravitas to the argument. It added that kind of stamp of uh, authority. Yeah, uh, to to Trump's response to it. Um, and then we get into a video montage on the China virus because I call it that because the first line from Trump is about China virus. It kind of goes through the mobilization efforts, the 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 ship he sent in, the Javits Center, all that stuff. Um, then we go to a live video of Trump standing with six first responders and goes one by one through them, thanking them and having them yep. each explain who they were, what they did. Yeah. Now, this was the point in the week where we had kind of had a heads up that Trump was going to be like dipping surprise in appearances. these surprise appearances. Like he was going to be like a folk, like not a focal point every night, but that he was going to be part of the convention every night, which was uh break from tradition uh for the conventions but um i thought every single one of them he used perfectly um from the naturalization one to uh the hostages was a very That's powerful coming up later. one yeah um and then um uh this one with the first responders of just, you know, them thanking him for, you know, sticking by them and him thanking them and thanking them for their efforts. It was one of those ways that it was much better than the, um, it was what the Democrats attempted to do with Joe Biden talking to the five televisions <laughs> in front of him from his, from his, you know, Dr. Evil lair. Um, you know, it was, it was Donald Trump actually being in a room with people and providing that personal touch and, um, it, it, it came it came off it came off very well um then we go then into, we got jim yeah. jordan uh red meat yeah it was red meat uh herschel now we get into sort of like herschel walker i would say was one of the top best speeches of the he was one the, of the best speeches he was one of the top three speeches of the night and i would say probably one of the best five or six of the entire week um yeah, he just knocked it out of the park. He knocked it out of the park. It was very authentic. Mm-hmm. It was very, and it was very matter of fact. And it was basically like, listen, I grew up in the South. I know what racism is. I've known Donald Trump for four decades. This guy's not a racist. <laughs> okay. So, like, let's. Like, I went to University of Georgia in in the 70s and 80s. It was a very authentic you know? character witness. Like, you it could was. see, a fr- like, your friend giving this a similar speech to you if you had ever been defamed. It, it just felt very, like, listen, I'm not here for any other purpose except that he's my friend and I feel he's been treated unfairly and I just want to set the record straight for him. Yeah. Because he's a good friend. He would do it for me. That yeah. kind of thing. It was, yeah, it was very much like a, it was very much like a, like Don, I got your back on this one. Yeah. Like this is nonsense what they're doing. Um, very good. Natalie Harp, maybe super good. Once again, we go from Herschel Walker to Natalie Harp, and Natalie Harp. 
She had it was, bone cancer. It was so powerful. Yeah, it's deeply powerful. And we'll it was talk- a it was a very great face and story to the right to try story. Yes, uh, right to try um, that Trump has passed, um, which I I don't think people understand what it is, and it was just a great embodiment of it. And you know, it's one of right to try is one of those things that. It doesn't impact a lot of people, but it does make a difference at the margins. And as Republicans, we want to put forward that we are the party of life. We will defend life at every step of the way. Unless you're a terrorist. Then we're going to kill you. (laughs) But, but, but But that also means... That when someone is looking for a, a Hail Mary, we afford them that opportunity. We go, take the shot. Godspeed. Go for it. You know, and um, um, and, and, and I just thought it was a very... You hear all of these Democrats and be like, oh, he's trying to gut Obamacare. He's trying to take people's health insurance away. And this was a very strong character witness of Donald Trump is trying to save people's lives. Yep. And he saved mine. And yep. I'm standing here today because of Donald Trump. And you go, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go into Andrew Pollock. He was the opposite. also deeply powerful. He was the father of a um, girl who was who was murdered during Parkland. And this was particularly, I think, powerful and interesting because the Democrats also had a family member of the Parkland shooting speak at their convention. And of course, their response was, we need more gun control, gun control, gun control, gun control. And this guy stood up and was like, hey, I didn't even really care about Trump, but like I met with him and he had solutions and he acted on it. He's like, the reason that Parkland happened was because there were red flags. This kid had threatened the school and teachers multiple times before this could have been stopped mm-hmm. and it wasn't because of reformed whatever it's because called. of because of because of reforms that were passed uh, and pushed for by the obama and Biden administration which was basically one of the big pushes they had was stopping the school to jail pipeline right this idea that minority students end up in the principal's office more than disproportionately compared to white students and that this leads them to getting suspended more and falling out of school and you know free the you know idle hands are devil's uh playground or yeah what, sure uh is anyway. a saying or something like that but it, essentially that's the argument and so nicholas cruz the, the parkland shooter um had you know, was a, a very, someone who, who before Obama Biden probably would have been in juvie. Certainly wouldn't have been allowed back in school. Yeah. So I think that was a super powerful message to have because so many of the times I think that the Democrats paint these school shootings and tragedies as we just need more gun control. And they never understand mm-hmm. that it's different things that why these happen. It's mental health. It's these red flag things it's always a different thing and it's usually a democrat policy that made these things happen not gun control uh we skipped over vernon jones he was also really good he was a um african or what do we call it? black i, I want to be politically correct we can't say african-american anymore now it's black he's black democrat state rep from alabama endorsing trump 
He had a great line where he said the Democrat Party doesn't want black people to leave their mental plantation. That was excellent. Um, so we have a lot of like rock stars all in a row, I thought. Like Herschel Walker, Natalie Harp, Vernon Jones, Andrew Pollock. You're just like, boom, boom, boom. Yes, yes, yes. These are all the reasons that I like Trump. These are all the yeah. reasons I'm Republican. Um, and then you got the McCloskeys. And then you got the McCloskeys to kind of round I it out. were fantastic. And, and I know they were probably the most divisive speecher, speakers of the night i think because liberals i thought liberals, they didn't make their point as well as they could have i came off of that thinking feeling like mm, i don't know if like they made their point i thought the message was very clear the message the message that the mccloskeys were making and they made it well was hey suburban america I know you want the whole liberal open-mindedness thing, but you also don't want people threatening to kill you and kill your dog while they walk down the street. So uh, let's call a spade a spade here and realize that Joe Biden is not going to fix this problem and he's not going to defend you, but Donald Trump will. Okay. And that was, I mean, that was the protect your suburbs message. Yeah. And then we got into three speeches that I just thought were meh. I g- gave them all C's. Start with Kimberly Garfield, however you say her last name. She just yelled the whole time. So much yelling. Couldn't understand there wasn't a crowd. I was just like, I don't even know what you're saying, but 100% this is what the media is going to talk about tomorrow is you yelling. Like, why'd you have to do that? Yeah. And then we go straight into Steve Scalise. Sorry, I thought he was boring. I don't remember much of what he said. It is what it is. And then there was a... Former military guy running for Congress. I, I couldn't even catch his name when I re-watched it. Also kind of forgettable. So just kind of like meh. And then we go into a video mon- montage of the video from the beginning of the convention. I was just like, yes, I needed to see this again. I needed this into my bloodstream. I feel like a little bit more pumped up after those kind of meh speeches. And then it's Trump Live with the hostages. First, mm-hmm. it's a video montage of him and how he's helped free um, American hostages around the world. Um, and he talks to them. Uh, I'm going to keep going unless you have something you wanted to talk about with the hostages. I had nothing else to talk about with no. the hostages. The stronger hostage message, hostage message, man, that's a tongue twister. Hostage message uh, came on Thursday. Yeah. And then we go into Maximo Alvarez. Phenomenal. Who was phenomenal. And I also think it's so funny because he spoke at a roundtable with Donald Trump uh, like a week or two ago and there was a video on like Facebook that I found of him basically giving a very similar speech and Max and I were both in bed and Max I think was trying to fall asleep and I started watching the video and I put it on volume and he's like what are you watching and I'm like this guy's amazing and I start like crying the whole thing I was like it's so moving and I just remember Max not wanting to watch it but now we got to watch it it was just as moving and powerful and I really hope that so you know democrat socialists can watch something like that and understand like you don't know what you're you're doing like you're hoodwinked like this won't bring you prosperity this will just bring you more poverty more inequality more injustice Mm -hmm. like wake up (laughs) his was amazing um then they followed that up with a video montage of libs being socialist then i thought we went to two more boring speeches nikki haley meh Don Jr., honestly, meh. Yeah. And then um, a video montage of two um, 
millennial entrepreneurs who have immigrant parents. Yep. I thought that was great. Um, and then we finished with Tim Scott, and he was really, I thought he was pretty good. Yep. And that was night one. Like, so much better. Leaps and bounds better than DN- the DNC. Yep. Yep. I thought, I'll say this, and this was my big criticism of the RNC. I thought the most powerful speakers that they had were these ordinary Americans. And every night they put these regular politicians in the primetime spots. And I just don't think they did as good of a job at conveying the Trump message as these regular Americans did. And I think it's because ordinary politicians do not understand people as well as Donald Trump does. And we get him. And that's the power. He's been able to connect with us regular Americans. And I was kind of disappointed that more of the primetime hour, that 10 to 11 hour, wasn't spent on having these Americans tell their story rather than, you know, Vicki Haley. Yeah. All right. We've been talking about conventions a lot. Do we even want to go into night four? Or should we just talk about Trump, us going to the Trump rally in New Hampshire? Any like highlights you want to talk about for night four before we move on? Uh, highlights from night four. Let me pull up night four. Um, so I thought the highlights of night four were. I mean, you really liked Dana White. <laughs> oh, Dana White was phenomenal. He was just like yelling at us. He was just <laughs> yelling at us to vote for Donald Trump. But it was a good yelling. Unlike it was Kimberly. a good yelling. It was great. It was so high energy. It was absolutely as high energy as possible. It was just the pure. I will run through a brick wall for Donald Trump. He's great. Dana White's great. Dana White's an American success story. Donald Trump's an American success story. It's like, do you want to be a winner like me and Donald Trump, or do you want to be a loser? That was the message. It was an alpha male message. It was to people who wake up and go to the gym and try to kick ass at everything in life. I love Dana White. I love Donald Trump. I love that speech. Uh, then you thought this Sean Reyes was a breakout star of the night. I thought Sean Reyes could, was, might, might have been the breakout new GOP star of the week. Yeah, he was the... I uh, thought he was very good. He's the Utah Attorney General. Yeah, and he he's has, taking on human trafficking. He is a mixture of every culture in the world. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think he listed 60% of the UN. Um, but his, his message was very um, America first, um, which was great. Uh, I, think, then- I, think that, I think the two biggest things of this night were Anne Dorn, the, the, the wife of David Dorn, the police officer yeah, in St. Louis. Her recounting that experience was just heartbreaking. I, I cried. It was, that was it was hard. That was the hardest thing that I think we had to watch over the two conventions. Yeah. Um, this should have been in prime time. Um, and then uh, Ben Carson was fine. Patrick Lynch was fine. Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani He's was like, rude. don't He's let the Democrats do to America what they have done in New York City. It's just a classic. Uh, I thought Tom Cotton was came and went. I, I didn't... I didn't think in this, you know, generally the conventions are a launching pad to the next presidential cycle. 
Uh, I don't think Sean Reyes is running for president anytime soon, but I certainly think he's someone who I'm going to remember because of this. Um, I don't think Tom Cotton did anything. I don't think Nikki Haley did I anything. Tim I don't. Scott Tim, did. I think Tim Scott did. Yeah. But we also didn't see like Rhonda. Like I don't remember anything from Rhonda Santis. I don't remember anything from rick scott i don't remember anything from you know a lot of people that would have been presidential contenders i, I guess which is a good thing um but then but then the other hot the i don't even know if you want to call it a highlight of the night but one of them the the this the other very powerful speech was the Marsha and carl Mueller speech um their daughter kayla was taken hostage by isis and was raped repeatedly until they murdered her um and they ended the speech by saying that they believe that if Donald Trump was president when their daughter was captured, that their daughter would be alive today. Yeah. yeah. And blaming, oh, they blame the Obama and Biden administration for the death of their daughter. Um, It was a very powerful story. They went through how Kayla was a, they also talked about how Trump got Al Baghdadi you know, killed and the operation was yep. named after Kayla. Yep. They was, did it all. Yep. It was moving. very, very moving. Um, and then we moved, we moved, and then we moved to criminal justice reform. The one that the person that the media wanted to talk about much was Alice Johnson, who was sort of the, she was pardoned right after that, by the way, she was, she was she pardoned like right yesterday, I think um, the day before, but she was sort of the headline of this first step act. Um, talking about her story, you know, of a nonviolent drug def- drug offense, first time offender, and you know, Atlanta her in jail for a couple decades, and and then we had an awesome Donald Trump montage. Montage. Then Ivanka spoke while we while I was listening to her. She had like a few good lines, like the mm-hmm. you know, Washington didn't change Donald Trump. Donald Trump changed Washington. That, that was, was a great one. line. Um, though I didn't think it was like. I was like getting up and cheering or anything, but I did think of the kids. She had the best speech. Um, and I thought Don Jr. did like, didn't, I don't know. I just, I would have thought Don Jr. would have been the best of the kids. And I think it turned it up, ended up being Ivanka. And then Trump, you want to talk about his speech? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought Ivanka was, I thought Ivanka was nothing. Um, Trump was great. See, but you felt that he had no energy. But so, I thought so, he was speaking to people who he needed to convince vote to him. Vote well, him. it's not that I thought he had no energy. I just I noticed that there was a different tone. And it was much more of a, he came across as someone who had obviously taken the last four years very seriously. And he wanted to convey that to America. And I think he did a great job doing it. And I think he went point by point, one by one of what he did, why he did it, why he feels it was the right decision, and what he's going to do in the next four years. It was a defense of what he's done, a plan for moving forward. It's It was a traditional convention speech for an incumbent. Do I think it was the most memorable part of the four days? No. Do I think it was a... I think it did what it needed to do. 
And I think it's a great jumping off point into last night, Friday night, because everyone there was amped up at the speech in Manchester. Yeah. And this is exactly what a speech, a convention speech is supposed to do. It's supposed to remind everyone we've got an election coming up. We've got work to do. This isn't a joke anymore. This isn't arguing with people on Facebook. This isn't (laughs) arguing with people on Twitter. This isn't making, you know, joking around about, you know, your, your cousin who loves Bernie Sanders. We have an election in a couple of months. We need to go out and win it. Are you with me? And let me tell you, after that speech and the fireworks and the opera. <laughs> Which was amazing. Every, Ave Maria on the front lawn. <laughs> Ave Maria on the lawn of the White House was just wonderful. Um, I thought it did exactly what it needed to do. And I can tell it did that because everyone in Manchester was amped up. Everyone there was in a great mood. The press wants to focus on, oh, he got a couple of middle fingers. Yes, we counted about six protesters. We counted about six people who were there who were obviously not very happy that Donald Trump was president. There were probably around five to 6,000 supporters there. So there you go. That's, that's the media in a nutshell, the fact that they had to highlight those people. And let me tell you, those protesters were jerks. They were grade A jerks. They want they had they had brought a loudspeaker, yeah, and, and a they loudspeaker. Were, they were trying to like talk over him for us in the overflow. And we couldn't hear his speech. Here's Just the like thing. go away. So we get there, and the speech is supposed to start at six. And right around six, we see a plane coming in from the no, distance. No, no. For, before we get into that, we drive up there, and the address that we put in the GPS takes you nowhere, and there are no signs or anything. So we end up having to like drive around the entire airport and it's almost like you're at a like secret event. It's like, where are we going? We just need to like follow the signs. And then we get there and there's like not really anywhere to park, but everyone is just kind of made parking spots. And we're kind of like, well, I don't think the cops are going to enforce anything because this is literally just like the airport and there's like three flights taking off today and it's the other side of the airport. So we're just going to we're just going to risk it. First of all, first of all, let me tell you, we were just driving around the airport like 45 minutes before the president of the United States was supposed to come along. And it was just like any other day in Manchester. (laughs) Okay, I'm not I'm not suggesting that a shoddy job was done by the United States Secret Service. But I will say it was pretty funny that. They really just they, did the security right was, at the event. It, it was invisible security for us in Overflow. It was very clear that they had people in the crowd. They had people on the roof of the hangar. We could see that. They put in like big trucks along the gate to the tarmac, so you couldn't really get like a clear shot, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Which made it hard to watch the planes land. We scoped it out pretty happily. <laughs> Jeez, Katie. No, but it was it was one of those because whenever you go to an event like this, it always is like one of those things like you're looking around and it's like, oh, look at those guys on the roof, you know. Yeah. And then it kind of comes like, oh, what other security, you know, any guys with the badge or they had a chopper overhead and all that stuff. But it was one of those things where and i i think we joked right at the beginning it's like how many people do you think are carrying at the (laughs) event you know i was like i was thinking of like would there be a worse event to try to pull something out than a trump rally 
like in, in New Hampshire, where it's in New Hampshire, a, it's legal where, to conceal carry without a permit. Constitutional carry. Okay, <laughs> it is your Second Amendment right to carry a firearm in New Hampshire concealed. So keep that in mind. There was no safer place on earth to be than last night in Manchester, New Hampshire, at that hangar, um, uh, which was pretty funny. But but yeah, back to the protesters. Six people. They were jerks. They had a megaphone. They had a, a speaker. They had stupid and, signs that made no sense. You know, the anticipation built throughout and around the time he was supposed to come on, we see a plane No, no, before in. that, they make an announcement at like 5.30, 5.45-ish, and it's like, Per New Hampshire uh, law or Boo! guideline, <laughs> everyone must wear a mask. And just immediately everyone boos. Yeah, it was hysterical. I was just like, I'm not going to put on a mask because one, I'm outside. Two, I'm six feet away from everyone. Like we were in the overflow area and it's a huge space. And we went towards the back where it was kind of like looser. One, because I just, I don't like crowds. So like, I don't really want to be that close to people and we were never going to get in. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of wanted to see the atmosphere. So like, I'm not going to wear one. I'm more than six feet away from people and it's outside. And I don't think anyone else ever, it's a personal preference. But they don't do anything. Just saying. <laughs> so anyway, they made that. That was hilarious. Um, and then uh, at like 5.57 p.m. He's supposed to go on at 6, right? 5.57 p.m. People are like, oh, I see a plane in the distance. And everyone's like, oh, like it's, it's Air Force One. And we all like get up to the fence and we're all like, Max is like taking a video and I'm trying to get a picture. And of course, as it lands, you can't really see what it is. But you can see the plane right when it comes past you in between the trucks that they put up for security. So we're like, we're all like taking pictures, trying to get it first. And as you can see it, it's a Southwest airplane. We're like, that's So one that's of the questions that one. I had when I heard that he was coming to Manchester was, I don't think they can land a 747 at that airport. For sure, a 747 can't take off at that airport. Can they even get one in there? Uh, because traditionally, the landing spot for set for Air Force One in New Hampshire is Pease Air Force Base in Portsmouth, one of the the world's three or four longest runways. I think it is. It's a backup destination for the space shuttle. Um, there was a there was there was a time uh, I was in. I think it was in high school. High school. I wasn't school. there, so I can't help but you. But we thought, we thought, but there was, but there was a rumor going, but, but that basically it looked like the space shuttle wasn't going to be able to land at, um, uh, in California or in Florida, and the third choice was peas. So the rumor <laughs> was going around on the radio that uh, the and the news that the space shuttle might be landing in uh, in New Hampshire, but I think it ended up landing, ended up landing in Florida, in the ocean. Probably. Not in the ocean. The space <laughs> shuttle did not land in the ocean, except for uh, tragic circumstances. Um, cool. Yeah. So the crowd was, I thought, pretty big. Like I thought the crowd was big. I thought the crowd was young. Yeah. I thought the crowd was really young. You saw a lot of a lot of not just children there with with young parents. Um, um, but, but you like saw a lot of a lot of high schoolers. schoolers and middle schoolers and you know school kids for Trump and um, and then a lot of people like us, a lot of young professionals um, were around as well. And then uh, you know in these Trump rallies, you know any any I, you know the funny thing about a Trump supporter is that 
there's no no type. You never know who could be a Trump supporter because he appeals to such a wide variety of people. And let me tell you, it was a it was a slice of every section of New Hampshire. That was yeah, there. we had a guy next to us for a period of time that looked like he was from the hills of Vermont. You know, he, you know, just he looked like what you would consider if you walked by or you walked by him in Dover, Portsmouth. You just think he's just some old hippie guy, but you know, he's an old hippie for Trump. You know, um, uh, bikers, of course. You know that that whole group was there as well, and. All the people hawking merchandise, but it really was. It was a, it was a very wide it was also slice of America. What I noticed because we went to almost all of the primary events for the Democrats. Yes. At those events, there were a handful every time of people wearing kind of like shirts of the candidate. But generally speaking, there weren't a lot of American flags. There were almost never American flags, actually. And not that many people wearing anything from the candidate. It was usually just like a sticker that you got at the front door and they threw it on their shirt. But like otherwise, they didn't have the team colors. I'm going to say that that's an unfair comparison because there's a lot of shopping that goes on during that It doesn't matter. They didn't even have, they could have had like, the shirts that we saw at the Trump rally where it's like, you know, I only kneel for the cross or other like Republican-esque shirts. They could have had liberal-esque shirts. They didn't have any of that. It was January. Everyone had a coat on. I don't care. The point is everyone Wait, at the Trump everyone, everyone, everyone at the Trump rally had some yes. kind of Trump gear or some kind of Republican, which means there weren't people who were shopping or just coming to see. It was all supporters. It was all support. Yeah, I well, yeah, I agree with that. But I think- and so I'm curious if Biden never comes to New Hampshire and we obviously don't wear any gear, what it's going to look like? Are people going to wear American no, flags? There are going to be people there hawking <laughs> Biden merchandise. Who the hell wants a Joe Biden shirt? What are you talking? Even Joe Biden doesn't want a Joe Biden shirt. I'm just saying, but of course not. No, but Trump is different because it's like it's. It, you know, Trump is the first candidate whose support, at least in my lifetime, whose support is almost like a sports team. You know, it's like I kind of, I kind of, I, I really don't want to put it in these terms, but it's almost like being a Yankees fan or a Cowboys fan. Like everyone hates you, but you win. You know, <laughs> you know, or you've got this legacy, or you know, you've got this you know aura about it about the uh the thing where it's just like god i hate him um but that's trump no i I, but but i thought but anyways the southwest plane comes and goes finally air force one comes in and the whole point of this is like yeah he's late but he taxis he walks down the stairs he does the whole theatrical entrance he starts walking up the steps and he does a little a little juke maneuver like he's about to fall off him and then he points to someone in the crowd like i got you there you know he, and doing, he does the hand wave like that was never gonna happen he's doing slapstick humor even before he gets up to the stage he gets up and it's classic trump it's the energy that you it's felt you didn't energy, see the night it's before the energy that i didn't see during the convention which solidified for me that that he's as as much as I say, like I think he's the greatest entertainer of his generation. Um, I think he really. I think he really. It shows how he learned that as president, you have to change your tone 
every now and then. Like, you can't always be, like, Twitter Trump. And during these rallies, he's Twitter Trump. Right. He was great. Um, but the last thing I want to say before we uh, end the show is um, we we uh, we basically wore matching outfits because we're obnoxious we like that. Uh, so we're each wearing an American flag shirt. And then we have these really obnoxious cowboy hats that my mother bought us that say Trump 2020. And that's also got the American flag underneath. So like we kind of stuck out. Um, and once the speech started, I swear every photographer wanted to take our picture. Like there's one woman who came up and was like, can I just take it from the back? We can have to do anything. Uh, okay. And the one from the side, it's just a silhouette. And then this one guy was like, do you guys mind if I take your picture? Can we just go over here where the light is good? And we're like, okay, sure. You got engagement this photos. This turned into an engagement photo session, you guys. It was like, okay, unravel your flag here. Okay, take your, do, like, move your position. Now I want a close-up of the hat. Now I want a close-up of your tattoo. It was like, oh, my God. So we got our engagement photos taken on the National Mall and around the monuments. Which is more American, the original <laughs> engagement photos or the ones taken at the Manchester airport Donald Trump rally? Because right. I think the addition of the no more bullshit flag <laughs> really makes it classy. Yeah. And so after he's, I mean, I think we spent a good five to ten minutes with this guy taking our picture. I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, so absurd. Can, can we, can, can you send us some of these photos? And he was like, you want them? I'm like, yeah, I want them. Like, you just took five minutes of professional-grade photos of me and my husband. Of course, I want it's them. It's like, you, you want these photos? It's like, yeah, we want them. Duh. <laughs> so we haven't got them yet. I did email him. Uh, we haven't got them yet. I'd, I'd send the guy a couple bucks for them. I bet you they're beautiful. Yeah, they're probably beautiful. So anyway, TBD on that. Um, all right, folks. I am, like, full-on. COVID's done. I'm over that crap. It is full-on politics mode. We are however many days away from the election. I need a debate. Like, let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm so ready. I, I, I'm, I'm just. Do, do you think the debates are. Do you think Biden's going to debate? We're, we're gonna, let's end on this. Do you think Biden's going to debate? Yes. Do you think Biden's going to be the nominee on November 3rd? Yes. Because. The real nominee is some shadow figure behind him, so he can't. They can't do this thing if he dies. So they're gonna keep him up there as puppet or what? I didn't say he was gonna be deceased. They're gonna keep him up. This whole thing is he's just a puppet. It's true. Secondly, do you think he'll have an earpiece in his ear, like one of those little Bluetoothy things, like in the, from the office? Although I don't think he's good at that. He's, his mind is already so clouded that if you also had this like thing in your voice. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the thing. Remember, Donald Trump's convention speech was an hour 15, and then Manchester was another hour 15. We've only seen Joe Biden. His convention speech was like 25 minutes. Yeah. We've only seen him for 25 minutes. Scripted. Yeah. We've never seen him for an hour and a half, two hours. He can't do unscripted. it. Unscripted. I mean, he technically, I guess he, he he technically did it at the Democratic primary debates, but he also only spoke for like, what, probably like 20 minutes of that, too, because other people spoke. Oh, speaking of debates, the one thing we wa we wanted to bring up that we were tossing uh, back and forth when we were walking was we were like, who's going to moderate the debates? Like, it's oh, oh yeah, like the, the Biden camp's just going to get the the questions ahead of time because the media is all in the tank for him and so i had the suggestion there's jim that, jim lara ain't walking through the door right so i had the suggestion like 
F it. We all know the media is biased, so let's just let's just roll with it. Let's have Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson yes. moderate the debate. Yep. They each get to ask questions. They can each call each other out, and we can just we can just do it. And let so I think we should just do that. So let's make a petition. Let's get it done. What were the three nights you were saying? It would be Rachel and Tucker. I said and it then- would be. I said it. You split up the Fox and MSNBC primetime. So you do Tucker and Rachel for one of them. Uh, I thought uh, Hannity and Chris Hayes would be a great combo. <laughs> um, and then my personal favorite combo, because I think this one could get really fun. Laura and Lawrence. <laughs> Ingram and O'Donnell <laughs> moderating a debate. I think that has the potential to actually be maybe the most entertaining television ever. Right? We can get like a special appearance from Raymond Arroyo. <laughs> we could get we could get Laura O'Donnell could bring out, you know, uh uh who does he love to bring? He could bring out like Joy Reed, you know, for a for a cameo, something like that. You know, just some just some have some real fun with it. But I think I I think that that was just a brilliant idea, and I agree with it. Because like, who who are we like? Who's gonna one of them's gonna be Lester Holt? Right. Who are we kidding? I guess These Lester people Holt. aren't non-biased. Like they have no integrity. They will give the question. So like, f it. Like let's just let's just be who we are. Let's have a totally liberal moderator and a totally conservative moderator. Yeah. Let's just do it. And they can like, balance each other out. Like you think they're gonna let Chuck Todd do one? Of these? <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine the blowback if the if the if the uh, well? Let me look it up right now. No, let's not. <laughs> what are you looking up? What are you looking up? Debate moderators. Though well, they've already been selected. Well, throw them out because this needs to happen. Throw them out. I don't think they've been selected yet. Oh, perfect. Like- we can send them our idea. All right. All right, folks. Trump's debate moderator wish list is stacked with Fox News stars and pushovers. See, he's he's reading our minds, but you yeah. gotta have the you gotta have the duo. You know, you gotta have the duo. All right. Maria Bartiromo was one of them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, folks. That would be great. Until next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.